Um, <clears throat> Isn't Josh Shoshana like a Jewish holiday? <laughs> I'm not going to... I'm going to pretend you didn't say that because I don't know if that's offensive. <laughs> and when in doubt, just avoid, ignore, <laughs> evade. Those are good survival skills, Kendrick. Yeah, you're thinking of Rosh Hashanah. <laughs> Damn, he's right. Josh Hashanah. <laughs> what that means, Josh, it's open for you to, you know, start that up for yourself. Oh, perfect. Finally, my own holiday. Exactly. Yeah, for me and Jews. If you're feeling like uh, converting to Judaism, Judaism. Um, <laughs> which is, I do that every Saturday. Yeah, that is the Jewish New Year, is Rosh Hashanah. Oh. Judaism. <laughs> Still don't know if it's offensive, though. No, Josh, Josh Hashanah may be a different thing. Rosh Hashanah is two words, Rosh being the first word. So it's very possible. I wonder what Hashanah means. Oh. Oh. I don't know. Wait. (laughs) Normally O's are for like a revelation. You don't get to say I don't know after. It's like, here's the definition. And if you say this to anybody, you will instantly die. And then Kendrick goes, (laughs) oh, I don't know. Uh." I don't know. Yeah, uh, you, you guys act like you've never been around me before. <laughs> Kendrick goes to www.darkweb.com. What does Hashana mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's, uh, uh, you guys are a bit on the younger side, but have Correct. you ever seen something called Monty Python? Yes. Uh, is that a crypto? <laughs> uh yes we'll get to the we'll get to your cryptos in a little bit <laughs> you but, trade uh, you trade your money pythons like they're yeah. nfts or something the, yeah. there's a there's a money python sketch about the funniest joke in the world oh yeah hmm. are you familiar with this uh n- no i'm actually not unfortunately oh wait wait is it the one where they open up the letter and then they keep dying as yeah they so look it's at like it? a it's a it's <laughs> yeah. a world war ii weapon they sent it to the germans and then all these germans died and <laughs> They keep it locked up in a laboratory, and uh. <laughs> um, so I. Uh, that was the same I think thing. We're essentially saying is we are the new Monty Pythons. Mm, I see. Is it Monty's Python or Monty Pythons? If it's plural. Mm. I don't like Monty's Python. That just. <laughs> but what about Monty's Pythons? <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell if I hate that more or less, but we're going to go with it because it's more letters. And as we've established on this podcast, more letters equals better. Uh, more letters equals better. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> Should we get going? I'd say so. One, two, All right. Three, hit it, boy. Uh. <laughs> to get together, have a few laughs. Put the freaking gun down on the ground right now. Take your shot across the freaking street and say that he's gonna get you. Hello, and welcome to Where There's a Willis, There's a Way, a film podcast about the multitude of works by Bruce Willis. My name is Kendrick Martin. And I'm Josh Carter. 
Today, we're going to be covering Spider-Man No Way Home, directed by John Watts, written by Chris McKenna and Eric Summers. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, what we usually do here is an in-depth breakdown of a movie starring Bruce Willis. But a big old Spider-Man movie came out recently, and Kendrick and I thought, you know... Sometimes it's not about it's not about it's not about the the Bruce Willis or it can't be all the time because like if we never reach outside of Bruce Willis we're we're gonna forget to value our our favorite balding man so we uh, mm-hmm. we take a look at um at a mm-hmm. at a new Marvel film and I'm losing the plot a little bit but um mm-hmm. we're we're looking at Spider Man No Way Home today I just want to say this up front so that we're not like on the front page of New York Post or something for being blasphemous, but Bruce Willis is not in Spider-Man No Way Home. I know that there's a lot of hubbub around <laughs> the twists and turns and deep peaks and valleys that this movie has. Um, there is no peak of Bruce Willis being a surprise cameo, God. unfortunately. <laughs> Can you imagine if like Bruce Willis was like, just, okay, <laughs> we're... <laughs> I can't. It's going to blow my mind. It's going to blow my mind if I try to think about Bruce Willis being in this movie. Um, but yeah, uh, today we've got kind of a different plan. Um, we're still continuing on in our series of the other 90s movies. After this episode, this is kind of just a special little bonus within a bonus. And then uh, we'll un- unroll that and then get back to our regular bonus. And then unroll that and we'll be back to our Brucey boy. So if you are interested in other 90s films or Bruce Willis, hang tight. They're coming. But before that, today we have a special guest. Joining us this week again is Justin. Oh, is that that me? Yes. Yes, that's you. You are the special guest. (laughs) I didn't realize I was the special one, but hello. (laughs) (laughs) Justin, if you don't know, uh, was on our Color of Night episode, which is... the best episode. Which is the best episode. Yeah, that's that's correct. (laughs) (laughs) It is. I had a list in my head of the best episodes, and as soon as you said that, that one went straight to the top. Uh, I mean, it's been at the top. That's what I meant. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, so if you listen to this episode and you go, wow, I can't wait for more craziness. Um, I need more zaniness in my life. Go check out that other episode. Cause that one is also, um, it's a little all over the place. It's a little so yeah, <laughs> just, Hey, yeah, basically. I, st- I still like that movie, but also I want to go back a minute and say, how funny would it be if Justin didn't know that he was like, the Al Richter of this podcast, and we had another guest just logging on right now, uh, and we just kind of gloss right over the fact that he was here. I would love that. Just get invited onto a podcast and then not get mentioned at yeah. all. Right. Just be slightly <laughs> off camera, making background jokes for the studio audience. That's why you're. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you call him Al Richter? By the way, isn't that his name? His name's Andy Richter. Oh, I don't know why I said Al Richter. <laughs> I was in my head going through like, is that his dad? Is his dad off to the side of Andy Richter? And we never see Al even less than we never see Andy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, actually um, a funnier joke if you say Al. That, that is true. <laughs> poor, yes. poor Al Richter. He never gets the, the credit that he deserves. 
nope, nope. Um, <clears throat> if you are listening and want to find previous more Bruce Willis related episodes of this podcast, you can head on over to WillisWaypod.com. We are also a part of the Last of the Action Heroes podcast network. You can find other podcasts of them over at Last of the Action Heroes. Com. If you want to support this podcast, the number one thing you can do is go rate and review us on iTunes. And if you want to throw some money our way, you can head on over to anchor.fm slash Willis-Way. Um, before we start talking about Spider-Man, uh, Josh, it's been a long time since we've talked and Justin even longer. So yes. how you guys been? Did you know that it did it snow where you lived last night? It, it did. did. That was weird. Because I actually fell asleep um, around like eleven, and it wasn't snowing then. It was just it was just raining like regular. And then I woke up like Sleeping Beauty at like three a.m. and I look outside and it's like a winter wonderland. Um, first of all, I don't think it's canon that Sleeping Beauty wakes up at three a.m. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's unusual, but um, I I think I mentioned last episode that we just bought a house and we got the keys on Friday. <clears throat> so as we're recording this on a Sunday, so just a couple days ago and I've spent pretty much morning till night painting and cleaning on this new house. It was over at the house well into the evening last night. And then finally we're like, okay, we're done. And we walked outside and everything's covered in snow. And I was like, hmm. This is not how I was planning on driving home. Did you get trapped? Uh, no. Snow trapped? Snow trapped. Nope. Damn. Not snow trapped. Although there was still some snow out this morning. I was surprised that it was still there, but it's like a wet marsh, I think, in Portland right now, unfortunately. Yeah. Yep. I haven't been to Portland, so I don't know why I said yeah, but... <laughs> Where it's up in Vancouver, much different. <laughs> so mm-hmm. much different. <laughs> yeah, you guys are like have that Washington angst. Yeah, it's makes uh, it colder. We wear beanies over here. I think that's the big difference. Uh huh. Yeah. Nobody wears beanies in Portland. Nope. Nope. We wear uh, stocking caps. Yep. Yes. And for Christmas, you wear the little uh, the Christmas themed stockings. Mm-hmm. With the little balls on top what do you call those exactly yeah yeah the fufas nobody knows nobody knows what those are called um josh you know i was thinking the other day that we should start a cryptocurrency for this podcast oh yeah yeah only because um it seems that cryptocurrencies really exist for rich people to lose their money on Mm. Mm. or if if you could who would you want to invest in our stupid made-up crypto. Like, other than you? Yeah, yeah, like, yes, like Kendrick's Choice, rich person, oh, lose all their money in, in the this world. crypto. Oh, okay. Um, Top three baseball th- cards. What are you throwing down? <laughs> I think uh, if I were to choose who would lose all their money investing in me, I would say, first of all, Mark Zuckerberg, because that man doesn't deserve anything. So he should lose mm, true. it all. Wait, true. wait, he invented Facebook. He's the greatest human alive. What are you talking about? Mm, that's the money talking. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, I'm not I'm not sponsored by Mark Zuckerberg to keep his name 
in the positive on this podcast. And other than that, really the only other person I'd say that I would like to invest is Al Richter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, with all of his sweet, sweet podcast assistant assisting that he does. Yeah, what about you? Do you have a top investor, dream investor? You know... In I, fake cryptocurrency? Yeah, I do, I do think Mark Z is probably the best pick for that. Probably the best pick for that. You're not going to take on Elon Musk? No, because then that guy would, like, after he lost all his money, he'd still try to befriend you and, like, tell you stupid things, and I just don't want to hear him talk. Yeah. I think Mark Zuckerberg would be, like, shut down, and I don't think he'd try to befriend me. He seems pretty introverted. You guys haven't uh, named this cryptocurrency, though. I think that's, like, 50% of what a cryptocurrency, like, makes, like, consists of. You have to have a good mm. name. Like Doge you don't coin, think Willis theory. Willis coin would be enough? <sighs> I don't know. It's it's got to be like kind of uh, a little play on words or something like that, you know. Like Bitcoin is like it's like a it's like a coin, but it's bitty, you know. Willis coin, where's where's the like wordplay there? So it could be Willis. Way coin. <laughs> For a second there, I thought you were just gonna Willis coin. If I say it slower, <laughs> it's funnier. That's the, uh, that's the kink to it. Oh, oh. kink coin. I like that. <laughs> yeah. We, we can we can go back to our night uh color of night episode yeah there. um <clears throat> i really don't like anything to do with uh the blockchain or cryptocurrency i think it's all garbage but i love reading stories of <laughs> that's all of, a bunch uh, of hubbub that's what i say <laughs> i love reading stories of it all like burning to the ground yep ah recently there was a uh a video game that someone released on the blockchain and what no one apparently no one thought of this ahead of time but when they needed to release a bug fix to this video game they couldn't because once it's on the blockchain <laughs> it's on the blockchain like you can't change what's on the blockchain that's the whole point of it being on the blockchain yeah so they're just like whoops i guess we can't ever fix anything ever again and they had to like rewrite it all and write basically like a new version entirely. Oh Did man, that's great. Did you hear about that NFT that was um, being sold for, it was supposed to be, I think it was $300,000 and it was sold for $3,000. Yes, it was like a typo. missed the zero. <laughs> so good. <laughs> oh man. Like I'm telling you, this all exists just for idiots to lose money on. <laughs> yep. Why not lose money to me? <laughs> Why not just give it to me? Yeah, just skip the middleman. Send straight to me. Well, there's no middleman there. Yeah, that's you're... what skip the middleman means. You, no, no, no. I'm saying <laughs> you don't get the money either way. Uh... We're not skipping the middleman by giving you money. You're just changing the game. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do either of you own any NFTs? 
No NFTs, no. Mm, I do nope. have some crypto, though. I have never... I don't even... I know what an NFT is, but no idea how I would even go about acquiring one. <laughs> uh, I think online is a good place to start. Oh, that's a good one. You know, so NFT stands for non-fungible token, which means that, like, some bullshit, but... Why don't we call every other every all the rest of them fungible tokens? <laughs> well, that would just mean everything is a fungible yeah. token. I know. Why don't we just call it fungible tokens? We don't we don't say fungible token enough. Yeah. <laughs> is currency like regular US currency fungible? Is that what? Yeah. Yes, yeah. I think so. <laughs> like any dollar bill can be exchanged for another can, dollar bill. Can can we call can we call our crypto then fungies or something like that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Funjo Pops. Funjo it's like pops. Uh, that feels just, like a snack brand. It feels like a snack brand for mushrooms. You're like, ooh, what's this <laughs> hard candies flavor? Mmm, <laughs> mushroom. Like, <laughs> Fungo Pop. That I should have known that. <laughs> mushroom candy. <laughs> Man, I don't even. That sounds both good and disgusting. <laughs> I put what some fun fungo pops. <laughs> Maybe like if I was making a hard candy pizza, just like throw some fungo <laughs> pops on the top of that. Oh, gross! That reminds <laughs> me of those gummy like pizzas that you would get in oh, yes. middle school. <laughs> oh, those are disgusting. When they couldn't afford real lunch at the cafeteria, they give you a gummy pizza. <laughs> yep, yep. I love gummies in all types, but I do also think it's ridiculous the shapes we've just decided to make stuff in worms bears pizzas coke bottles rings what what else do you want those are all the shapes i don't know (laughs) why no other candy comes in weird shapes you don't get starbursts and bear shapes true you don't get chocolate bars in the shape of a pizza but you do get chocolate like bunnies Fair. For Easter. Fair. Okay, so maybe I want a gummy bunny. I'm they sure have those. you could find a gummy bunny, yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe. That sounds good. Now I'm hungry for some gummy bears. Mm. <laughs> mm. I don't think I've ever, like, yearned for a gummy bear. <laughs> they like, just happen to be in a around, bowl. <laughs> yeah, when gummy bears are around, I'll take them. But I don't think I've ever yearned for one. Yeah. Oh, man, the gummy bears are my weakness, and I always feel just absolutely terrible after eating them. Yep. I can relate. It's like, oh, all this sugar and gross <laughs> gelatin. <laughs> Not meant for human consumption, but it tastes so good. Amen. Amen. Uh, all right. Should we talk about Spider-Man? I think so. I think so. Or does the kids call it Spider-Man? So many kids were calling it that. So many kids. Ever since I got bit by that spider, I've only had one week where my life has felt normal. That was when you found out. When you botched that spell where you wanted everyone to forget the Peter Parker Spider-Man. started getting some visitors from every universe 
Hello, Peter. You're not Peter Parker. I'm sorry, what was your name again? Dr. Otto Octavius. <laughs> Wait, no, seriously, what's your actual name? There are others out there. We need to send them back. So, Scooby-Doo this crap. You know, all this is kind of your mess. I know a couple of magic words myself, starting with the word please. Please, Scooby-Doo this crap. You're flying out into the darkness to fight ghosts. What do you mean? They all die fighting Spider-Man. It's their fate. I'm sorry, kid. Before we talk about this movie, I'm curious to each of you what your uh, relationship to Spider-Man as a comic book character or movie character is. So, Justin, tell me, wh- how, what are your feelings of Spider-Man in general? Um, I like the guy, personally. He's a pretty cool guy. Um, I think, I mean, you know, just in general, he's definitely been one of the like most relatable superheroes. Uh, I saw him as a kid in like different animated forms. That's mostly been my exposure to Spider-Man. Um, and then the Raimi movies. Those, uh, those were pretty much the best version of Spider-Man, I think, I've seen so far. Um, other than that, I think Spider-Man, just in general, comics aren't, like, really my thing. So, I came into this movie, like, I'm still feeling a little tired from Marvel movies uh, Mm. since Endgame. Haven't really gotten over the whole Marvel movies continuing in the way they have been. So, mm-hmm. gotcha. yeah. <clears throat> Josh, how about you? What are your what's your history with Spider Man? So, Spider Man is one of the few comic books that I've read. I would get the collections from mm-hmm. the library of like the original runs that are like in this compilation form. So. I've read a lot of the early Spider-Man comics. I watched the Raimi movies when I was like maybe 12 or 11, something like that. And I, I loved them. Um, I didn't see Spider-Man three for a while. It felt like, like I watched one and two when they were both out on DVD in like 2005 or 2006. And then there was like, some time in between when uh, Spider-Man three came out and then I was, didn't watch it in theaters. I don't think. And I watched it like a while after. Um, and then I watched the amazing movies as they came out and stuff like that. And uh, obviously the new ones as well. And I've always really enjoyed Spider-Man. I do think that the things that I like about Spider-Man are, he's like a character that's not like, not like anything that DC comics has is like their main character. Like wonder woman's the daughter of these gods. And like Batman is, um, has tragedy in his background, but he's still super, super rich and he doesn't ever struggle for anything except for to fight the bad guys or to figure out the next clue or whatever. 
And then Superman, I mean, he's literally Superman and he's perfect and stuff like that. And so then you have the spider. Literally Superman. He's literally Superman. And then you have Spider-Man who's like struggling kid, can't, can't uh, like make it with any of the girls, is um, unable to like make his rent sometimes and stuff like that. So I've really enjoyed watching him struggle to be a superhero and a regular person and do both things well. And I think that that's a really key part of who Spider-Man is. And because of that, I have loved the Raimi movies and then been kind of like, eh, about these new ones. I really like Tom Holland though. And he covers a multitude of sins in the writing department. (laughs) So Mm. that's, that's kind of my Spider-Man experience though. I I'm, I'm pro Spider-Man. I'll say that I'm, anti J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> wow. Um, I am with you guys. I saw, I have very vivid memories of seeing the Sam Raimi movies um, with my dad in the movie theater. He was a, he read, you know, comic books growing up as a kid and Sp- Superman, Spider-Man, all that kind of stuff. And so he had a, a connection to the comics and I didn't really read comics growing up. As an adult, I've read a lot more comics and similar to Josh gotten them from the library um, because it's, it's easier to get them in kind of like trade paperback volumes than it is just issue to issue. And the library is great for that. Both they have like here, at least in Oregon, they have um, a lot of issues in the library. You can just check out or they have a lot of digital issues you can read on your phone or, or tablet or whatever. But most of the comic books I read are not superhero comics. I'll read a lot of um, other random comic book stuff. But I love those Sam Raimi movies. I think definitely have both like a nostalgic connection to the Spider-Man character. Because he was kind of my first superhero movie that predates the um, the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. So that was definitely kind of my first here's a Superman superhero character movie. Um, I watched the Andrew Garfield one. Didn't, didn't really care for it that much. Uh, as for Tom Holland, I think he is a good Spider-Man character. I think you're right, Josh, in that I don't care for as much as the universe that the movies kind of place him in, but I enjoy his depiction of Spider-Man. I think he appears the most kid-like and i think to me spider-man needs to be a high school kid he's a real good street level comic book character and by that i mean he's experiencing the day-to-day life stuff in all renditions of spider-man he's going to school and dealing with his secret identity and you know dating mary jane and all this stuff and that um stands out in the marvel movies now because of the fact that almost no other Marvel character had the, uh, had a secret identity. Mm -hmm. And so as opposed to like classic Superman stories, he has to, you know, there's a Clark Kent thing, you know, Batman, the Bruce Wayne thing. Like you can't, they, they have to maintain two identities. Whereas almost all Marvel characters, um, are just kind of public knowledge as to who they are. So I, th- I thought that part was good. Um, I would also say that 
Into the Spider-Verse, the animated 2018 Spider-Man movie, is probably in my top 10 movies of all time. Yeah. Uh, I love that movie. I love the soundtrack. I love its animation. I love the story. I lo- it's just everything about it is so good. And I've watched that movie over and over again, and I think it did a great job just as a standalone Spider-Man story, not connected to you know a greater series of things, but also paying uh, reverence to the characters. And, and if you knew what it was talking about, you got more out of it. But if you didn't know anything about Spider-Man, you still enjoyed the movie. So that movie and is great. On top of all of that, it did something really ambitious with a Spider-Man story. Um, it didn't play it safe for it being like this first animated movie. Yeah. So I appreciated sure. that too. For sure. Yeah. 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 And it, it is like so beautiful of a Spider-Man movie. True. I think I kind of similar to you, Justin, have experienced a little bit of Marvel fatigue. Yeah. I watch them for like the pop culture aspects and just to kind of stay up with the greater overall narrative. But I usually am not you know, reading all the neat details and watching all the updates and piecing together all the information um, just because there's so much of it. But yeah. uh, Yeah. So (laughs) tell me guys, I wanted to hear about how you experienced watching this movie. So I'll, I'll, so we're recording this. It's opening weekend and I saw it Friday night. I went to a nine 40 PM showing it um, was maybe a third full, so not not super full, but it was in a pretty big movie theater, and I was able to kind of sit by myself. I was I did I went by myself, and so it was good to kind of sit alone and not have to worry about being in a crowd of people. Yeah, and I, well, this movie theater I went to had a lot of showings, so I was surprised as to how full it was. For even for there was like a showing every thirty minutes, I think, at this movie theater. Um, wow. And it was a pretty late showing. So I, and it was not even the latest showing. There was like two showings after the 940 showing, I think. So it, it is definitely doing well at the movie theater. Um, I will also say that there was a gal sitting behind me. I do not, I didn't turn around and look at her. So I don't, I can't tell you how old she was. Um, she was at least a teenager. I know she wasn't like a little kid, but she was bawling through almost the entire movie, like loudly, <laughs> audibly, just sobbing through over half the movie. And I was like, oh my goodness. Like, I know Spider-Man's like a cool guy, but man, you have a <laughs> real connection to him. Uh, yeah, so Josh, what was your experience seeing Spider-Man? Um, so I went with Justin and a bunch of other people. So mm-hmm. it was kind of a crowd of like nine or ten of us that went and then in addition to that the theater was i'd say pretty decently full like at least half full if not more than that so it was was, yeah more than half full yeah it felt like the there was a lot of energy from the audience which is um it's fine and in marvel movies they make them kind of like stage productions now where they're like, all right, character enters and hold for applause Mm -hmm. and now do your thing. So like it worked, but I am 
maybe a little bit nervous watching this on DVD or <laughs> like video on demand later being like, wow, this pause is really annoying. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, I, it was, it was fun. I, I like watching movies opening weekend that are like this. And I had removed like Twitter and a bunch of different apps from my phone on Friday so that I didn't get spoiled on it and everything. And I was glad that I did. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, going off of what Kendrick was saying about the girl behind him, uh, Marvel fans in general are really passionate, which I I haven't had, like, the first-hand experience of going to see many of these uh, films in, like, the first weekend. Normally I'll wait a couple weeks so everything dies down and then I'll go see the films, but... There were quite a few people around us who were just, like, having the most intense reactions to a lot of what this film was. Um, yeah. The, did you... There was a trailer for um, Doctor Strange. Um, and when Wanda was shown in the trailer, uh, this girl to our right was just like <gasps> like just like so shocked that wanda was in the same movie that dr strange was um it's it's interesting to see their reactions um so i i try to avoid trailers in general uh and i heard i had heard that at so we're not we're not going to spoil anything but i had heard that the post credit scene after all the credits was basically just a trailer. Yes. Is that true? Yeah. Okay. Cause I stayed for the first post credit scene, uh, which was a normal post credit scene. And then I left cause I had been told that it was like just an out and out trailer, not like a special scene or anything. And I was like, that seems really lame to sh- wait to show a trailer at the end, but I guess. Okay. Yeah. So, but it was a trailer. That's good to know. It no, was a trailer. Mean- yeah, it was a regular old trailer. <laughs> normally, it's supposed to be like some scene that is along with the next movie, kind of like segueing yeah, yeah. into it. I really mm-hmm. liked how yeah. Marvel was was doing that, and I, it was very strange seeing that trailer at the end of the movie. It yeah, it definitely like it brought me out of everything that we just saw. <laughs> yeah, I. So no spoilers for WandaVision, but I watched WandaVision mm. back in February. Man, this has been a year. Was it February? I think it was February. And Yikes. Uh I don't think it's a spoiler to say that it connects into Marvel movies. So I'm not surprised that that character comes back in future movies. Yes. Um So yeah. I um just a couple other things I'll say about seeing this in the theater. I also saw Dune opening weekend, and I saw Dune in an IMAX. Um, but I, I remember going to a Sunday evening show. I think it was like a 7 o'clock IMAX show. And it was completely sold out, like wall-to-wall packed. Really? And I remember being like, oh, my gosh, this movie theater is... Like this is the biggest crowd I've been in 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 you know year and a half, and also people are really coming out to see this movie. 
So um, I had forgotten before Dune what it was like to see in a movie with a big crowd of people who would like gasp at stuff and laugh at things. And I thought similar, more so really with Spider-Man because it's kind of a movie meant for that. But uh, it was a lot of fun seeing it in a theater because as certain things would happen in the movie, people would start to cheer or gasp or like people who could kind of like, there's a couple scenes and we'll get to in the spoiler section where you could tell what's going to happen in like three beats. Mm-hmm. And so everybody started to get like amped mm-hmm. up because they're like, Oh my gosh, this thing's about to happen. And uh, it was a lot of fun seeing in the theater. I'm glad I saw it in the theater. Yeah. For um, Okay. Okay. Let's talk some brief spoiler thoughts and then we'll just dive full spoilers. So let's try not to spoil anything that's not revealed in the trailer of the movie. Um, I know it's hard to kind of talk around this movie. It has a lot of press that's kind of, it's been in the, it's trailer's been out for a long time. It's kind of like story's been out for a long time, but, um, let's try to just say a couple quick things. That's not too deep into this movie. I, so this movie is, I want to say two and a half hours long and I was with it the whole time. Like I said, I went and saw a late show on a Friday night. I was tired and I was kind of afraid that I was going to be really falling asleep at the end of it, but I was with it, never distracted. Um, there's a couple, uh, plot points or like emotional beats that did not work on me at all. And I was kind of like, am I inhuman? Like why this does not work really work on me at all. Um, but otherwise I thought all the action scenes were pretty fun. I thought all the, um, it did a really good job of kind of uh, tying together Spider-Man as a character. And I think it was a more ambitious piece of work than even like the Avengers Endgame movies were. Um, so those are my thoughts. How about you, Justin? What did you think? Mm. I, um, I agree. It was really ambitious and I really liked how they interwove everything in the film together. Um, a couple things to me, you know, they felt a little too uh, marvelized, if if that's a pronoun I can use or noun. What adjective? What the fuck? Anyway, um, it's uh, it's a film that feels like it can't quite just sit down and take something seriously. Like we have to have like a serious beat after ever after some kind of serious beat. There has to be some kind of comedic relief banter that goes on so the audience isn't too um worried about what's going to happen um i felt like that a couple times but that's a in general a a marvel problem more than it is this film's problem but um i kind of agree with you i I feel like it, it it was more ambitious with everything um plot point wise and how it um took these characters from these franchises like over the course of 20 years um and culminated them into one film um i thought it was more ambitious than um you were saying endgame was uh and i i'd agree with that i think it i think it weaves things in a way that is really intriguing and kind of brings closure to some characters that we wouldn't have gotten otherwise. So I really appreciated that. Um, 
uh, <laughs> my biggest problem with, well, actually, I'll, I'll save, I'll save that for the more spoiler talk, so, um, okay. Josh, how about you? Yeah, I, um, I was pretty excited to watch it, big fan of all the other movies, obviously, and I felt like they, like, the worst thing that they could have done in this movie would have been, like, soured the taste of the other movies, um, and I, I didn't feel like they did that, and I feel like they, uh, did some stuff with Peter's character, which was really cool to see, and they kind of had him using his intuition and his intelligence a lot more than in some of the other movies. Like in the other movies, people will talk about how he's kind of just like a Iron Man protege and he gets tips and tricks from Iron Man and Iron Man's buddies. And in this movie, that was not that way. Like he, he gets more time to shine and Tom Holland just does a great job in this movie. I thought he, he was really awesome. And I really like seeing him and his chemistry with, the other characters that are in this movie. I thought that he was just really putting in a great performance and um, I enjoyed that. And then, um, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it later, but this movie does have a lot of the typical Marvel struggles and kind of visually not the most distinct compared to like other superhero movies that are in the Spider-Man ethos. Um, Ether? Whatever. Oeuvre. 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 Uh, um, one other yeah. thing we haven't talked about that I want to give a quick shout out before we jump into spoilers is Zendaya. She, in the last probably two years, has become one of my favorite actresses between these movies and she's also in that uh, HBO series Euphoria. She was also in that movie last February with... Uh, Man, I don't remember the guy's name, but it's all in black and white and it's all set in a house. Man, that's going to, I'm going to have to look this up. But everything, she plays such a wide range of people and is, could have easily just gotten sucked into the uh, Marvel of it all. I think kind of that's been Tom Holland's problem is he's trying to to break out of the Spider-Man character and um, it's been hard for him. Yeah. Zendaya was also in Dune, as I mentioned. But the movie I'm thinking of is Malcolm and Marie um, that came out earlier this year. She was in that movie with John David Washington. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, she she's wonderful in this movie. I thought that she had a lot of her own character growth, more so than any of the other previous Marvel Spider-Man movie. She's where she was kind of sidelined more and more. She had... Um, more time to shine in this movie and I thought she did great so should not discount her character oh for um, sure okay Josh anything else you want to say before we dive into spoilers um no I think that was most of what I wanted to talk about before we get into spoilers okay we are gonna jump into spoilers after we take a quick break Peter you're struggling to have everything you want while the world tries to make you choose. This is all my fault. I can't save everyone. All right, so we are full spoilers for this movie. I 
want to say up front that I thought the Aunt May death was bad. And that is when the theater sobbing started was really that whole fight scene. Um, it was so telegraphed with the whole discussing of how the Green Goblin Hoover Ray kills people. And then it went right into her. And then she just immediately got up and started walking about like nothing happened. Yeah. And I'm like, mm, this isn't going to go well. Just long enough for her to give off her Aunt May Uncle Ben speech. Uh, how about you guys? Did it? Did that work out for it? Did that work for you? No. <laughs> no, not <laughs> at all for me. Uh, I wish they would have just done it. Because, okay, I was glad that Aunt May died, right? Something has to happen in these movies that's more than just... Tom hey, Holland hey, like seven around. Marvel movies ago, Tony Stark's friend lost his legs and then got uh, robot yeah. legs. <laughs> you're right, you're right. That's the tragedy. That's the only also, tragedy. So to be fair, uh, Tony Stark died, right, in Endgame. Yeah. Spoilers for Endgame. But that, and that was what people were saying was kind of Tom Holland's Uncle Ben moment was he lost, really. he lost a mentor. I know, it wasn't. But people were kind of like, meh, it's close enough. Um, and I thought that Aunt May dying here, but encouraging him to do the right thing, was much more of that Uncle Ben classic Spider-Man moment and helped him oh, yeah. empathize yeah. with the other Spider-Mans. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I just thought that the the actual death was way too the, drawn out. Like, the way they did it, yeah. I So in the sequence of events... Um, Green Goblin threw his, like, explosion. Spider-Man whacked the explosion away, right? Mm-hmm. And then it exploded, and Aunt May has been impaled by Green Goblin's uh, hover Glider. disc, whatever thing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I feel like at that point, I don't think that, like, Spider-Man should have whacked the explosion away i think it should have just like exploded on aunt may and she's like mortally wounded and then she just has that like final death talk just to get it going faster (laughs) because it takes like it takes like feels like five minutes for that whole scene to go through Um, it just feels so awkward from how fast paced that whole fight is yeah and then they're losing everybody and these like fake cops show up, which were where did have they been kind of like SWAT? A, an uh, the SWAT. It's team? been like a, it's not the SWAT team though. It's like the Department of Defense SWAT team, the DOT team. I don't yeah. know. It's it's a it's a it, they they are the ones who arrested um, Spider Man in the beginning of the movie, uh, and his friends. It's been kind of an undercurrent in some of the Marvel post Endgame Marvel TV shows have been. Uh, public opinion and uh government kind of pushback on superheroes post kind of dissolve of shield yeah. and uh all that stuff and i know that that's true to a lot of comic books and there's like a lot of the comic book lore that talks you know post civil war all that stuff is very true i think for me personally i'm s- like we have so much real life uh political baggage around cops and border patrol and department of defense, you know, armed 
nebulous government groups that having another having an armed nebulous government group in a tv show that's never really explained i'm i don't know whether to just be like well this is normal or or what to think yeah that has to be a something they're setting up because that one um interrogator guy has to come back with all of his witty banter (laughs) yeah you know it (laughs) you know it that guy's actually uh, really famous from the comics. Um, he's... Josh, whatever the opposite of your hayseed is showing. Uh, <laughs> the So to go back to Aunt May's death, um, that was the, the biggest part of this movie that did not work for me, mm. which is saying a lot because... That was the biggest uh, part of the movie that didn't work for you? Yeah, that was really the only thing in the movie that didn't work for me while watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, I, I felt no emotional response in that movie, and, and I'm, I am usually very emotionally invested in movies, even if I'll like cry at trailers. Sometimes I'm just usually very invested in a movie uh, character's story, and I was not moved at all. And I think it felt so hokey with the way they stopped and then just stood there and talking for a little bit, and then she's like, "Oh, whoops." I've been impaled yes. and then falls over and dies like in 10 seconds. Maybe that's more accurate to how your body would respond to shock. I don't know. It just felt ex- like very strange based on the pacing of the rest of the movie yeah. for such a major plot point. Yeah. I don't know. So for me, it's like, I totally get that it came off as hokey and it's too long. Both of those things are very true, but at the end of the day, like, her death and the way that Tom Holland responded to it and stuff like that, that all doesn't not work for me enough to where I can buy it. And then I can move along. Um, I had like way more beeves with fucking Toby McGuire and his super weird acting slash paycheck cashing in this movie. That like okay. was way more annoying to me than Aunt May's death scene. I don't think that, uh, I don't think that um, multiple beefs is beeves. Oh, Just it is. Quick, I, I, want, I, wanted to, I wanted to step in and say, I don't know if that's accurate. I thought he, I loved him. I thought he seemed like an old, tired Spider-Man. Oh, wow. In a world where he's by himself. There are no other superheroes. Um, yeah, I, and, think, you know, I think the difference he talked, <clears throat> is that Josh is seeing him as an old, uh, retired actor and you're seeing him as an old retired Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, so it was interesting seeing them and I have done zero uh looking into interviews or anything. Like I don't know if they exist. I don't know if anyone has um you know gone to Tobey Maguire and said act like Sam Raimi told you to act or like was Sam Raimi involved at all? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know any of that, but it felt like to me, Tobey Maguire, it felt true to as if the Sam Raimi, Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man had come over. Like he felt old and tired and kind of alone. Uh, he, and if you remember in those movies, he does not have a team. Uh, and the reason I like those movies so much is because there's like a real struggle with those movies in those movies where, you know, 
Aunt May is on food stamps and she's going to get evicted from her home. And he is, you know, the superhero that's saving New York and cannot pay rent. Yeah. And there is, there's no Tony Stark. There's no, you know, happy Hogan apartment in Long Island. There's nothing for them. And they're pinching pennies in order to make it work while also being a superhero. And I thought that story was really good. And I think Tobey Maguire, to me, felt like a tired, alone Spider-Man who was like struggling to keep it going, but also had that still had the flame of I'm a superhero. I still believe in what I believe in. He talked about, you know, his relationship with Mary Jane and whereas opposed to Andrew Garfield also felt like the Spider-Man right out of that movie. Andrew Garfield seemed like he was always on the verge of crying in this movie. And I don't know why he just seemed like he was about to tear up in every scene and I also loved the moment when he's talking about how lame he feels because he's basically saying, I know my movies are lame. <laughs> and then Tobey Maguire just kept saying, you're amazing. Yeah. Like, wink, <laughs> wink, wink. Yeah. You're amazing. <laughs> Get it? Uh, I, that All that worked for me. I was just laughing out loud. I thought that all was <laughs> that very was funny. That was a beautiful scene. I wanted him to go... Uh, Actually, I like going. I actually think I'm more fantastic than amazing. <laughs> I think that would have been a nice line to include there. Um, but yeah, no, I really, I think, I think Tobey Maguire acting wise, I don't think he's uh, at the peak of his performance anymore. Yeah, so for sure, there, yeah, like for me, yeah. that's, that's like, what stood out. Hit, when when they're all like, all right, we got to go fix our supervillains. And they're in the lab or whatever. And Andrew Garfield's like, I'll whip up some bullshit. Blah, 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 blah. And then Tobey Maguire's like, well, it looks like I better do something that'll fix Sandman. Yeah, I, I got it. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, yeah. so painful. You'll remember that. You'll remember from the Sam Raimi movies. He's like a photographer. He He's not a scientist. I, yeah. I, know, I know. I know. But I like I just watched those movies and he is the biggest dweeb. But he's like even flatter in these movies. Like he's at least got like a smidgen of charisma in the other movies. And it seems like at least in that science scene and in the house scene, it's like all drained. Although later at the end, when he's in the end battle sequence, I was fine with him there. I thought he was fine there, but Mm -hmm. I thought, yeah, I, he definitely stood out as like kind of an awkward person. And I mean, let's be honest. When was the last, what was the last time Andrew Garfield was in a thing? Did we even know? I don't know. Tick, tick, boom. It's been a while (laughs) or not Andrew Garfield. Sorry. I meant to like, he's been in so many things. Yeah. yeah, when was the last movie Andrew Garfield was in <laughs> on Netflix that came out? Uh, yeah, I'd have to you know search the scour the internet for that one. The, um, the dark web. But but yeah, and like Andrew Gar or not Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire has put in some <laughs> some performances that people really liked. Like he was in whatever movie where he was like brothers with Jake Gyllenhaal or whatever. Um, I've seen the trailers for that, and I was like, wow, Andrew Garfield, or not Andrew Garfield, fuck, Tobey <laughs> Maguire looks really good in this movie. Um, looks like he is uh, giving a much better performance, much more lively. In this movie, he is just really not that way. And yeah. so I, I just wish that he was a little bit more, 
you know, like even like you know, uh, I can't remember what the actor's name is that plays him, but in Into the Spider Verse, Peter B. Parker, the older Spider-Man that comes across and he's is like chubby and stuff. To him. Oh, yeah, like yeah, he's, that, he's that's... down, but he's still like jokey about it. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to see more of that from him, um, or something that's something that's different, because like. Andrew Garfield really cornered the market on sad Spider-Man, on sadder man. Um, but I wanted to see Tobey Maguire do something else other than just like weird Spider-Man that's way past his prime. Yeah. But only because he doesn't give a shit. Like. <laughs> yeah. It's. I mean, you're right. Like, I, I agree. He was awkward. He was weird. I thought that. Um, uh. There was a couple funny moments when he talks about when the where the webs come from. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do those webs come from anywhere else? Uh... <laughs> Which, by the way, that conversation lasted forever. It's just like they stopped the film for like five minutes to have an improv scene with all three of the Spider-Mans. And I loved it, but it just felt so out of place when they were like amping up for this like final battle. And then they were just like, by the way, where are your where do your webs come from? Do they leak out of anywhere else? Yeah, that was that was uh, tremendous. Um, one other thing that I feel like we should probably comment on that uh, also affected the overall enjoyment of the film is like it feels like this movie kind of came together. Obviously, we are in a world with a pandemic that exists and that's going to affect filmmaking, but it even this movie feels like a lot of actors weren't shot together or Mm. like, yeah, like the chemistry between some of the actors is just really, really weird, especially like the villains. Like we don't even see Sandman be in his Sandman form for like most of, or in his like regular person form for most of the movie. And then I'm like, well, they probably couldn't get the actor to be on set most of the time. So they're like, well, we'll just CG him the whole time. And I think Mm -hmm. the same thing with the lizard. Like, they could have even just CG'd those actors in on the two seconds where they're seen on screen as their regular human form and just had them do VO work. But it, it like, noticeably affected the film for me. Like, some characters are great and are working well with others, like... We haven't talked about him at all, but I mean, for me, the standout of this movie was fucking Willem Dafoe. He's just amazing. But um, other characters like had really weird chemistry with other characters. And especially when they're all trapped in the in the the basement jars um, and they like don't know how to get out of those. Um, Some of the, the interactions were just like really weird and felt like they all got filmed separately against a green screen and spliced together. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I mean, um, it's very possible. Yeah, that that's what that, that was like a COVID protocol. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's let's talk about the villains. Let's talk about the villain. So we talked about the Spider Men's. Um. So this movie obviously incorporates all the various movie versions of Spider Man over the last twenty years. Uh, let's talk about the villains. So you you mentioned Willem Dafoe did a great Norman Osborn slash green goblin performance. I thought he played the, um, 
the like split personality really well that, yeah. that re- that's required of him where he comes across as distraught and really struggling when he's the you know the uh dr jekyll part of him and then when the evil mr hyde slash green goblin comes out he he goes completely uh bananas i i thought he did really well jamie fox to me was the real standout so i the only spider-man movie um that i have not seen is the second amazing spider-man with andrew garfield which has the um where the Jamie Foxx character comes from, I yeah, think, and yes. and the and the Sandman. If I'm recalling, I saw the first no, Amazing Spider-Man, and I honestly no. could not tell you what happened in that movie. So the other character that comes from the second one is the Green Goblin again. It's a different version. Oh, there's, an- there's another Green Goblin. Yeah, gotcha. they thought that that would be uh, a good uh, idea. <laughs> isn't there also? Uh, there's like, isn't there ten villains in that movie or something like that? Isn't there a lot of? Villains? Oh, there's also Rhino is in that one. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Which which movie is the lizard one from? Then? He's from the Amazing Spider-Man one. Okay. Yeah. Um. But I, so I went back and forth on this. So the the basic premise that Peter Parker wants to rectify all these villains because otherwise they're gonna die. Mm-hmm. I I went back like I was trying to think if it were me what would I do um and I like you know it'd be nice to think that oh yeah I try to help people but also uh everybody dies at some point like the universe is like we're not going to live forever right and can we save everybody risk every, like what's the what's the you know risk proposition there to risk and save people but I can understand why you would struggle with that. Uh, I, but then it especially, it worked really well for me, I think on the Alfred Merlina, um, Doc Ock character, because that is my favorite Spider-Man movie. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love Peter's relationship with him before, like they have a true friend, you know, scientist and mentor mentee relationship. Yeah. And then when he puts those arms on and they kind of like overtake his brain and he becomes this evil villain, um, that was like a heartbreaking moment where he has to kind of defeat this whole thing. And so, um, seeing that redeemed in this movie to me made, made all that worth it. Like, I don't know. I wasn't sure if I necessarily agreed with Peter Parker's decision to, not send them all back, especially, um, you know, his aunt dies because of it. Right. uh, I think, I don't know if I could say it was worth it, but I think it was like a valuable choice to make. It felt like a very Peter Parker choice to me to decide to try to help them all. Like that seems like something that he would do. Yeah. Because to me, it, it didn't feel supernatural. It seemed like... Like, I mean, at first he obviously was kind of against it. Uh, and then Aunt May talked to him. And when he learned that they were all going to die, that's when he was, like, trying to change the outcome of everything. But, I don't know, he d- he didn't seem very convicted about it. It, it. He just sort of changed his, his um, thought process. And... It felt more like a writer's room decision than um, something that would come inherently from Peter Parker. 
So maybe this is a, a moment we can talk about some of the Marvel... Um, Marvelness of it all. Short, short com- yeah, the Marvelness. <laughs> yeah. So to me, to me, one of the biggest things that, because of the fact that Marvel movies need to get from like point A to point B to point B, point C in a fairly straightforward fashion, um, it was especially noticeable when after Aunt May dies and he, they all kind of join back up and they're all like stressed out about doing stuff and like getting the cures together. And MJ Zendaya's character comes over and is like, Hey, how you doing to Tom Holland? And he's like, I'm doing okay. And it's like his aunt just died. Mm -hmm. And that was like, just kind of, he felt like that would have been a moment where he would have been like, Oh, this really sucks. You know, like open up to her, but he just like, Nope, we're, we got a lot of work to do. Stressing about the work we're doing. Yeah. Uh, because and, on the checklist of everything, they already got their like emotional scene when they were all hugging on the rooftop. So mm-hmm. I feel like <laughs> the the grieving is over there. Marvel checked that off, and and now he's and now they to... gotta show the three Spider Men pointing at each other meme. Right. Exactly. Yes. 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 Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it I had a like that happened a couple times during yeah. the whole film. Yeah, yeah. What were we gonna say, Josh? I was gonna say I have like several beeves with the writers of this movie and the way in which they utilize some stuff. One of them is that like the emotional moments and then silly moments, whiplash that they don't just let their characters breathe. Um, another element that I have of criticism is. I feel like it, um, <laughs> Dr. Strange in this movie is, he could have just been named Plotter Strange because <laughs> he's like in it whenever the plot needs to do stuff. Yes. <laughs> like bring back Plotter Strange and then he does stuff and then they, does his little magic tricks and then they send him away for another half hour of the movie is <laughs> like he is a literal magician <laughs> i uh yeah so keep going i want to come back to dr strange after you're done but yeah keep keep rattling yeah. keep rattling off yeah another another thing that i was kind of frustrated about with the the writing of this movie and i feel like it's a really big missed opportunity is that they have all these really talented actors and then maybe some of them they didn't give back in their full capacity like uh thomas hayden church i think is the guy's name that plays sandman i love love his portrayal of Sandman and Spider-Man three, but it's like he wasn't on set or they decided to do different stuff with the character or whatever. But it's weird how out of an infinite possibility of an an infinite number of worlds, we somehow got characters that are all from worlds that we had seen before in the exact same iterations when they very easily could have been like, Oh, if they're any character, then we don't need to explain X, Y, and Z about these characters. We could just have them be the same actors portraying slightly different versions. And then you don't have to like justify everything. Cause it felt like a lot of this film was like justifying, Oh, it's this character. And then now let's catch up for the audience and stuff like that. When they could have done little tweaks, especially for like some of the side villains that people didn't care about as much. Like they were willing to tweak electro, but only enough to wink at the camera. They wasn't like, actual stuff beyond that, but they could have done stuff for a lizard that was different. They could have done stuff for Sandman that was different. They could have brought in like a different actor 
and been like, yeah, we're not going to use uh, <laughs> James Franco anymore because he's a fucking creep. So we're going to bring in somebody else to play that same character or a slightly different version of the character. It just felt like they were overly limited in the ways in which they looked at the multiverse. And that was just kind of annoying to me. <laughs> hmm. I uh, was a little disappointed in that I felt like this movie recycled a lot of plot points from Into the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's hard to... I, Like I, I mentioned earlier, I'm, I haven't read a lot of Spider-Man comics, but apparently it is very Spider-Man canon to have multiverse crossovers outside of, you know, like Doctor Strange and other big... Uh, um, like magical, you know, it, powerful beings. The Spider-Man character is apparently very commonly uh, in comic book arcs that involve multiverse crossovers just because yeah. there's so many um, iterations of Spider-Man between Miles Morales and Amazing Spider-Man and Spider-Man, Ultimate Spider-Man. Um, and so, like, yes, that's a story we've told, but I thought that Into the Spider-Verse had you know, a whole bunch of Spider-Man get together. They're all like, whoa, you're a Spider-Man and let's do the Spider-Man pointing at each other meme over and over again. Uh, and uh, a lot of that movie is kind of spent going like, oh my God, there are other people like me. And I thought that's what's a lot of this movie also, but mm-hmm. um, it wasn't too detracting for me. Did you know that Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire were going to be in this movie? Yeah. Okay, I, I did not. I did not. Yeah. Um, oh, I knew from the then. trailer. <laughs> I knew from the trailer that uh, Alpha Merlina was in it, and I knew from the trailer that you heard a goblin echo. But I was actually pretty uh, unsure if they were going to get Willem Dafoe in this movie because, you know, he's a busy man. Does he have time to film a Spider-Man movie? I don't know. Yeah. And so I thought maybe they would use maybe like a a, a voice and like a masked character and kind of have someone else playing a green goblin. So him actually playing a big role was a big surprise. And then when uh, Ned does the like magic power summon and you see Spider-Man, as soon as I saw Spider-Man in his suit, I was like, Oh, that's when the the crowd started going, Oh my God. Yeah. It's going to be. And then it's like Andrew Garfield. And then he does it again. And it's Tobey Maguire, and that's when people started really losing their minds. Yeah. Did you like that, by the way, though? Did I like that? I thought I was like, "Whoa, this is great!" I was, a, I was loving it. No, 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 no. The the way they introduced them both, like, oh yeah, I thought that worked perfectly. How like, it was one after the other. Yeah, right I thought away. I thought it worked. Yeah, yeah, I thought like, it, if you didn't introduce them both at the same time, you're just waiting for it. So I know, but they, I, that's kind of what I wanted them to play with, because like I don't know, at least uh, at least for me, I I didn't know they were gonna be in the movie, but I was like, there's no way they're gonna do, they're gonna go that far to have all this multiverse stuff and not get Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield also in the movie. I think that would have been just such a missed opportunity um, if they didn't do that. Um, so. For me, I wasn't certain, but I was like, he has to be in here. Uh, so I kind of wanted them to play with that a little bit. Like, the way they introduced Andrew Garfield, that's fine. But, like, 
two minutes later introduce um toby mcguire i don't know i think they could have played with it a little more like teased the audience a little more about it hmm. how what are you josh how do you were you you already knew they were going to be in it so you were just waiting for yeah it. i already knew they were going to be in it so i was just like well whenever this happens <laughs> um hmm. but yeah i i think that anybody who is doing like a lot of deep research on this movie would have known that they were going to be in it so i was uh i was expecting it i i wish i wish 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 so badly that I had not that I'd been able to avoid all the trailers, but uh, because you know I would have gone and seen this movie, and if I had not known that it was a multiverse crossover, I would have been so ecstatic as soon as I saw Alfred Molina show up, <laughs> and then and then to find out Willem Dafoe shows up, yeah, and then to find out these other two guys, like I would have been losing my mind. <laughs> I still like had a great time, but. I was just really bummed that it was really hard to avoid that crossover. Uh, but I don't know, like you couldn't have, it would have been really hard to market this movie. Otherwise, even when I bought tickets for this movie, I bought it in the Regal app on my phone and the like soft focus background image is, um, Alvin Merlina's doc Ock, mm-hmm. like on his legs. So yeah. even if I had avoided all the trailers and then I go and buy the tickets and I see him in the background, I would have been like, Hmm, that looks familiar been, yeah 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 so yeah I, it's hard it's hard i i didn't i don't think it did i don't think it you know diminished my enjoyment of this movie but i wish i could have just been completely stunned at bringing all those characters back i think that the bummer part about that though is that it it limits itself to like that first time experience like um into darkness did this very famously where they cast of Benedict Cumberbatch people are like is he gonna be like just con and then they're like no no he's not and then like the big spoiler of that movie is that yeah he is con um they just were lying to you and all of the like hemming and hawing around his identity in the movie works okay the first time you've seen it especially if you don't know that twist but then and every time you watch it afterwards you're just like please for the love of god and I worry that this movie is going to have some of that in it where you're just like, we all know the characters that are in it. And so now we're just waiting mm. for it to get past this Hemin and Han. So, right. So, yeah, I think I think this movie actually walked that line better because I don't think it should have changed itself. But I think I if if I had avoided the marketing, my initial experience would have been a joy. I think the way this movie introduces characters is um, like natural on within beat the film. enough. Yeah, yeah, on beat enough that you like know there's some coming. It doesn't drag out any major reveals. Uh, you're usually you're introduced to someone, and then like a second later, their mask comes off. So, or you know, you're able to talk to them. There's not a long. You don't see Jamie Fox for. 15 minutes and then you find out it's Jamie Foxx. Like you see him and then you're immediately like, Oh, that's who that is. Yeah. yeah. So, and we should also mes- mention as far as like a movie theater going experience goes that, um, behind Justin, apparently, uh, some people mistook Jamie Foxx for a different black actor. Who did they say that it was? <laughs> um, Kevin's no, 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 not, uh, <laughs> 
the Kevin Hart? <laughs> uh, yes, it was Kevin Hart. <laughs> so people were like, "Oh my God, Kevin Hart!" <laughs> like, wow. No, that's that's Jamie Fox. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about the like banter we got with the supervillains. Um, I really wanted to see more like infighting between them all because they're supposed to be villains, you know, but they didn't yep. really act like they didn't really act like they were, you know, that chaotic, uh, uh, like negative character arc, uh, where like, as soon as they were placed in their little containment bins, they were just kind of sitting there. They, they weren't really like trying to freak out get out or anything like that they weren't like scheming they just kind of like oh i know you you you're dr octavius i haven't I read seen about yeah, so you on the news exactly i i also had some some beeves some beavises as josh would say with the way the villains were i but i think it was a smart move to make them kind of B-level Spider-Man villains, except for Green Goblin, but he was in his Norman Osborn uh, form. Yeah. Because when you lock up all those B-level, like all those B-level, you know, villains in the Spider-Man movies, or like any superhero has their B-level issue of the week villain. Right. And they're always just capture and lock them up. And then, you know, a hundred issues from now, they get out and then it's like the same thing. So it's easy to... You know, you put him in a cage or a you know a locked portal tube, and that's like okay. Well, that's good enough for them. Like it's not a, it's not a stretch to to imagine that you locked up Lizard Man, um, right? And I also thought that it was interesting how when you lock them all up and you start talking to them, you re- you realize that oh, they are actually willing to try to fix whatever cause this problem if it means they can go back to normal life um because a lot of times in the original in those like b-level superhero stories someone falls in a vat also funny how much (laughs) how they joked about that i I love that bit uh someone falls someone like a normal person falls in a vat and then uh are basically ostracized and are like i'm tired of dealing with humanity's shit i'm gonna just use my power and start killing people which seems very true to how a human would respond but then if you could get them and be like look you can go back to your family you're not gonna die we just have to take the superpower from you it seems like to me a an actual true progression so i really uh felt with um sandman because he was like this sucks i don't want to deal with this I'm tired of being made of sand. Uh, Fair, and and it's so and gets everywhere. When, when, uh, when Green Goblin kind of turns on everybody in the apartment, th- that part I also I didn't really like because, um, like Sandman seemed like he was fine with getting. It seemed like everybody, but even the Lizard Man, like they seemed like they were pretty on board with the plan. Yeah. And then Green Goblin's like, but what if we didn't? And they're like, yeah, he's right. What if we didn't? Yeah. And then Doc Ock like crawls away and it, he's like, I got to go hide for 40 minutes of the movie. And then <laughs> yeah, like, that, I, I that think we're supposed to think annoying. that that he like broke his chip again in the the um, 
you know, the the tentacles took back over. Although I never actually believed that was the case. I just was like, why did Doc Ock decide? Yeah, I had that same thought too. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't yeah. think we were supposed to think that his tentacles took over again. So um, Jamie Foxx says something like, I preferred you the old way and then like shocks him. And we had just been told that uh, the reason he acted the way it was was because his chip fried. And so I think we're supposed to think, oh, he fried his new chip. Um, I think or I, whatever. I think I skipped over that. It's very like, yeah, it was very kind of throwaway. And then basically Doc Ock just falls off the building and we're just like, oh, I guess he's gone. Right. Uh, like, I think if we had spent a little more time in the tenuous relationship of all those villains, that might have felt a little more natural. But again, we had to kind of get through all the pot points. Yeah. Um, I really wanted to see like kind of another fight where all the villains actually got to fight together against spider the, the Spider-Men. Um like maybe if they had another after um Peter's um aunt dies if we had a fight in between that one and the final fight um where where the Spider-Men's they're like not really working well together we could have had like a a team dynamic kind of switch up and i i wanted to see these like supervillains kind of like fighting between each other on how to like actually deal with the situation at hand um Mm. because i don't think we got enough of that really yeah they were all like pretty game to work with each other yeah but normally no reason like when you when you bring all of these chaotic characters together i i like that kind of um they're super powerful but they're all assholes (laughs) yeah i think i think uh we like you know the more you think about this there could have been a, a bunch of different weird iterations you could have had maybe toby mcguire show up and he's burnt out and so he joins the villains and then you have alvar molina's stock Ock on the superhero side and then mm. and then at some point toby mcguire kind of wakes up and is like this sucks i'm tired you know i'm actually a good person there's a bunch of ways yeah. you could have done this i think they they picked one and i think it, it worked okay yeah um I think the fact that they had kind of a deus ex machina in the box forced them all to work together, knowing that they were all one button push from disappearing, uh, kind of forced the story, the plot point of, well, you either help us undo this or, you know, you'll potentially, you'll get zapped away. So like whatever you do is useless. Right. And as soon as William Defoe's character changes to the Green um, Goblin. Um um Willem. Willem? Willem Defoe. <laughs> Whoops. Anyway. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> um, as soon as that happens, why didn't Peter Parker just call up um MJ and be like, Alright, press the button. <laughs> I yeah I also thought that like there should have been at least some guilt of being like but but then you know Aunt May's like you did the right thing even though I'm dying you did the right thing you did the right thing um I don't know I I just I could not get emotionally invested in that 
uh, conundrum. Yeah. Uh, I think that's kind of the problem is we're bringing back all these supervillains that we saw die already. And then it's like, well, what if they didn't die? And it's like, but we saw them die. But I don't, <laughs> I don't care either way. Like, yeah. I don't know. I, I think if there, there was maybe a little bit of an emotional beat that I was missing there. Um, but I think the goal was to kind of emphasize him really trying to fix the issue rather than just let everybody die. Right. Um, let's let's talk real quick about. So we're running kind of long. So I don't want to I don't want to go on forever. But let's talk a little bit about Doctor Strange. Uh, Josh, you mentioned that he was kind of Plotter Strange. You called him Plotter Strange. I thought. Um, I'm not a I, Doctor Strange is my least favorite Marvel character. Really? Well, second Ant Man is my least favorite. Doctor Strange is my second least favorite. Um, if I'm being honest, I don't ever care for really any of his stories, <laughs> and either both of his or his one movie, I guess, did not care for. So, I didn't really mind that he was not around very much. Um, what did not work that much for me was Ned getting his magic ring, and then doing magic. But they and set it up with a line. I know. I guess I. But see, I, my problem. My problem with the whole Doctor Strange stuff is, uh, it's kind of nonsense. I guess it's supposed to be because it's magic, but it's supposed to be like only certain people can do it. I guess. And I kind of was like, anybody with this magic ring can do it. So it makes sense that if he stole the magic ring, he could do it. Um. But. That seemed to be like a big reveal was that, ooh, maybe Ned can do some magic. But I was like, but he's got the magic ring. Of course he can do it. I don't know. that All that stuff just did not work for me. Yeah. Um, it, I think one of the things that's hard because I'm not super connected to this Marvel universe is after Endgame, all of our connections, I think, are supposed to be very fragmented. Whereas up until Endgame, you had Iron Man kind of and Captain America kind of holding all these various parts together. And so if anything was going wrong, you could be like, beep, 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 dial in Iron Man. But now nobody really has anybody to call. Mm -hmm. And so I think uh, that's what makes Spider-Man a more interesting character now is that he does not have Iron Man to call Mm -hmm. or Captain... Like there's really no one to call. So him and and uh Doctor Strange being in New York kind of by themselves make that kind of an interesting pairing. Um I think this movie would have been very different if you had Doctor Strange there just saying like, "No, you're wrong. Kill them all now." And then doing that like it's more plot reasons that he has to disappear than plot reasons that he appears. So mm-hmm. either either way, I guess it's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. My I guess my thing is that I didn't really need so much explaining of the magic and stuff like that. Like we're watching a movie with superheroes. Like I don't need, I don't need you to explain the spell and yada, yada, yada. Right. Like you could just show the sky open up and be like, Oh, an interdimensional riff. Bam. Like, there we go. (laughs) I just cut out 40 minutes of your movie (laughs) because of the marvelness of it all. And because I don't think it's a spoiler to say there's a bunch of multiverse stuff coming up between 
you know, what we saw in the TV shows of WandaVision and Loki and the Doctor Strange uh, Multiverse of Madness. The Doctor, yeah, whatever that trailer is, the name Multiverse of Madness gives it away. So he has to play a big role in this. Um, I think, all, but what worked for me in the movie was both Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire's Spider Man realms had all kinds of science experiments gone wrong, all kinds of you know, radioactive spiders and um, scientists doing scientist things, but none of them had magic. Mm-hmm. And so that was the big difference in in um, Tom Holland's universe is there's magic. And so I loved the like, oh, there's a Dungeon of Dragons wizard and he's keeping you in his... Like that, like that repeated running joke was there's a wizard around here and he's got a cape. Like that, that part worked for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yep true uh okay so we are this is we've had a lot of a lot to say about this movie um before we end tonight i'm curious because we are a willis way podcast uh what role in this movie do you think bruce willis would be best playing so if you were to swap out one of these characters for bruce willis like 2021 bruce willis not any any bruce willis but if bruce willis were to just be someone who do you think he would be i just really want him to be happy (laughs) i want him to be (laughs) dating aunt may and and then going through that whole breakup scene i would love to see Um, bruce willis do that that's actually a great answer i don't wow yeah that is probably that's a great answer josh (laughs) do you have a better answer um you know, I don't know that I do. Maybe as like one of uh, his teachers, or um, oh yeah, like maybe if J. Jonah Jameson had a driver that was talking to him the entire time. Like I could see Bruce Willis being good at that. But now I'm just making up shit. So I think um, I think if happy Bruce Willis. If Bruce Willis and J.K. Simmons could have played off each other, that would have been pretty funny. Yeah, I think also. Um, Bruce Willis playing the uh, head cop or whatever that guy is mm-hmm. in the where he's playing like the different roles of a um, interrogator. Mm-hmm. Yes, I thought Bruce Willis would be really good at that. True. Um, okay, so let's talk about a Star Trek connection. There's a one big one, and Josh, you've already mentioned it. It's uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh. <laughs> Right, <laughs> Star Trek Into Darkness. Uh, I was like, "Who?" There may be, <laughs> there may be others. Um, I looked up some stuff, and there's a lot of like ADR and music crossovers, but no actor big enough with uh, as Benedict Cumberbatch in Star Trek Into Darkness. So we need to get Willem Dafoe cast in a Star Trek show. Then is that what's going yes. on? Yes, that'd yeah. be great. Uh, a good Star Trek movie. Um, I also wanted to call out um, Bruce Willis has been in uh, a handful of films with some of the cast. So I thought I would briefly mention that. So he was in Motherless Brooklyn, which came out in 2019 um, with Willem Dafoe. Uh, He was in, so Marissa Tomei was in Four Rooms. What? 
And Who was she in four rooms? Uh, wasn't she in the Quentin Tarantino room? What? I, I could be misremembering, but she is on the cast for four rooms. Wow. Wow. Um, and then J.K. Simmons is in The Jackal. Right. And also Astronaut Farmer, which we haven't got to. That's a 26 or 2006. Movie. I thought that you were just but, renaming uh, Armageddon into Astronaut Farmer. <laughs> I was like, that's such a weird choice. Uh, no, literally Astronaut Farmer is a movie. 2006 Astronaut Farmer. We'll get to that at some point. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> um, oh, man. I was also going to mention, um, I don't know if you looked this up, um, did the box office for this movie on opening weekend? Oh, I haven't looked it up yet. So previous to uh, this movie, I think the biggest um, uh, COVID box office numbers, uh, global box office numbers was um, Venom. Yeah, the new Venom movie. Really? Which came out last summer with, I think, 80 million. That's global, like, opening weekend. Um, I'm kind of going off memory here. But uh, Spider-Man has opened this weekend to 253 million. Ooh, damn. Wow. That's doing that's really just in, that's well. That's in North America. Yeah. That's doing crazy well. Those are, uh, those yeah. Are oh, big yeah. Numbers. The biggest domestic, the biggest domestic, uh, previous debut, debut had been Venom Let There Be Car- Carnage, which generated 90 million. So, yeah, that's a lot of money. Yeah. People, people went to go see this movie. Yeah. No kidding. No kidding. Yeah. That is insane. It's a real bummer for any other movies in the movie theater right now because everybody's just like wah 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 yeah I think it's just I don't know. it's been difficult for people to go out and, and go to a movie theater yeah yeah, for sure because you said Kendrick this has been one of the I mean did you see Dune last is that the last one you saw so I go to the movies pretty regularly but I <laughs> go to like midday movies uh, that are almost empty. I see. Um, so I've seen a lot of movies, but most of them have been empty theaters. This time of year is, is kind of a mad rush because all the uh, kind of like end of year Oscar um, awards contenders kind of come out in November, December. And they're usually very limited release. So they come out for like a week or two. Right. So, yeah. Um, it's a lot, but other other, but in addition to everything else, I've you know I've been trying to see West Side Story, but the the show times have been cut back because Spider Man's taking all the movies. I have my tickets for Matrix on Friday. Oh really? So I'm excited to see that. Uh, one. Yeah. Anything else do we want to say about Spider-Man before we wrap it up? I wanted to say um, my favorite scene from the movie. Um, yeah. The redemption that uh, uh, Andrew Garfield's character got saving oh, yeah. MJ. That was that was. Oh yeah. Um, 
I mean... Oh, Kendrick, this wouldn't do anything for you, though, because you hadn't seen Amazing Spider-Man 2. No, but he says... I mean, I knew... He says that his biggest regret was losing MJ. Yeah, they fill it in pretty well, just contained in this movie. Um, But I thought that was a really great nod to the character and just like a a closure for him. Yeah. uh, You know, what what the film can do in and of itself. Yeah, I, I really like that moment. Um, I thought that he was my favorite of the Spider-Man. Well, I guess out of the two that came in. But he's my second favorite new character that they introduced within this. New old character. Yeah. Other than Willem yeah. Dafoe. Yeah, I thought he did a great job. Mm. I, yeah. I mean, I think they did more interesting things with the new Spider-Man than they did with... Um, Tom Holland's character. <laughs> yeah. I think so too, but I think it was mainly because this was kind of like let Tom Holland step out of the spotlight and yeah. let these other Spider-Man kind of come in and take a final bow. And um, What other superhero franchise in history has able has been able to come in years later and just put a closing note to their franchise? Right. Like th- that's wild that they were able to take the 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 first Tobey Maguire movie was in like what two thousand two yeah uh that's almost twenty years ago yeah mm-hmm. so that 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 is just it's wild to me oh yeah um it's this has opened so. up a whole new door and I mean next year I think is when Flashpoint comes out and that's going to have um. Michael Keaton playing Batman from the 1989 movie um, with other multiverse stuff in DC Comics. So we're going to get more multiverse craziness very shortly. <laughs> and I hope that other franchises are okay embracing the multiverse because that's like one of the coolest things that comic books have. Um, and the fact that it's taken this long is just a little bit silly, but I am very well, happy yeah. now that it's here <laughs> that's the step that we're in in comic books now where it's like all right we've gone through all of the main like serious plot points for all of these characters we've had their like normal arcs for everybody essentially and now we're kind of getting all like mixed up in between everybody everybody has a story in everybody's um in everybody's like main story now. Yeah. Know? So traditionally from the comic books, um, there have been a lot of, you know, over the decades, a lot of multiverse comic book storylines. And the, the, what, the reason they come into play is because you have multiple multiple runs of the same superhero. And especially as like decades pass, and the superhero gets a little older and then you want to introduce like a younger version, you start a new branch. And so this is a well-trodden area of comic books. And then they'll usually do some sort of multiverse event where, you know, you'll have like 1940s Wonder Woman and 1980s Wonder Woman and 1990s. Like, and they'll all kind of get together and be like, all right, where we're ending, take it on 2000s Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was good to see that finally in like a movie form. And I think Spider-Man was the perfect, character to do oh for sure but i think that's going to do it for our discussion on spider-man thank you 
uh, Justin for being here. Of course. Uh, it's been a great conversation. Um, we have our sweet treats to wrap the episode up in, but before we do that, uh, Justin, is there any way listeners can find you on the internet, follow you on social media or I do have an Instagram. I'll say that. Um, and you have posted I, to it zero times since the last time I, you appeared I, on this I, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, hopefully I'll change that soon. I'm hoping okay. to I'm hoping to start updating my social media because um, I'd like to uh, I do uh, music on the side and I'm hoping to release something soon. So. Oh, nice. What's your account name? Oh, my account is Mr. Big Deal with two eyes. Um, it's Mr. Underscore Big B I I G Underscore Deal, and uh, yeah, hopefully I'll be getting some actual things posted here soon. <laughs> nice, awesome. Uh, Josh, how about you? Where can people find info about you lately? Um, if you want to follow me, you can look me up on Twitter, and I am at Joshing Carter. I am on uh, Twitter and Instagram as K Martinix. That's spelled K M A R T I N I X. On this podcast, we started doing a thing called the Sweet Treat where we go through a little bit of non uh, a little something to recommend to you. That's not related to what we've just been talking about. So Justin, do you have a sweet treat to provide to our listeners? I do actually. My sweet treat is uh, Chernobyl. I've been watching that recently. Um, and it's a great little mini series. It's only about five episodes long. Um, but I mean, I guess they're each hour long episodes, so it's two movies, but whatever. Anyway, it's um, it just goes over the Chernobyl disaster and uh, it's much more of a drama series. But um, when it first came out, I, I knew uh, a lot of people were kind of going crazy over it and I only just now watched it and it, it really lived up to my expectations so yeah nice that's chernobyl it's on hbo i saw chernobyl when it came out and loved it especially i think it's the last or the second to last episode they kind of give you a graphical um rendition of what the actual chernobyl meltdown was Mm -hmm. and as somebody who you know i've heard i've like read the wikipedia article i know on paper what happened but i still couldn't tell you exactly what happened to cause a nuclear melt uh, reactor to meltdown. They show you kind of in like reproduced um, images of what actually happened. And it was super helpful um, as just like able to understand and comprehend what happened. Also, Jared Harris is um, plays a major character in that show. And I love Jared Harris and almost anything he's in. So that's a great, great recommendation. Joshua, what is your sweet treat? My sweet treat is a film that I watched while working on a political science paper. And the film is called Bob Roberts, and it is by Tim Robbins. He stars as the main character, and he wrote and directed it. And it has, like, Alan Rickman and 
Giancarlo Esposito, I can't remember how to pronounce his name 100%. Um, Jack Black is in like one of his first movie roles in it in 1992. And um, a lot of a lot of other famous people too. Um, but yeah, it's a like political satire movie and I laughed and I was sad and I liked it a lot. Um, it's unfortunately really hard to find, um, but there is a copy of it out there on the internet on Vimeo. So, yeah, if you Google oh, nice. it, uh, it should pop up. And it was, it was quite the watch. There are a lot of satirical elements from 1992 that rang, unfortunately, very true for our modern day politics, and yes. it hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Wow, fascinating. I uh, That looks interesting. I'm going to try to watch that. My sweet treat this week. So as I mentioned, this time of year is full of awards contender movies. And a lot of movies kind of show up for a very brief period of time. Is kind of everyone tries to put together their favorite movies of the year list. Um, so I've been kind of going through and watching movies that people really liked that are on uh, streaming services so that are you know easy to watch from home and there's a movie that came out this summer called coda c-o-d-a and it's on apple tv plus uh it is wonderful i was very moved by this movie so the basic premise is it's it follows this girl ruby who's a high school girl and she is the only hearing person in her in a her deaf family. So she has an older brother who's deaf and both of her parents are deaf and her dad and brother are fishermen and her mom helps like run their fishing business. And she's kind of dealing with, um, life in the family and like helping them run their fishing business as being the only hearing person, but then also going to school and kind of finding her own identity and, uh, loved it. Super great. Um, the cast was all wonderful. The story, it's one of, it's a movie that if this was another movie, any of the plot points in this movie would have been so cringy and bad, but somehow it all worked in this movie. I know every story moment in this movie, you're just like, Oh, of course they did this. But me, I was like bawling into my, you know, tissues being like, yes, I'm so glad they did this. Um, so I can't tell you why it worked so well in this movie, even though it's definitely kind of formulaic in parts, but wonderful. It won a bunch of awards at Sundance. Um, it's on Apple TV plus it's called Coda. Wow. That sounds fascinating. Thanks for recommending. If that. you're looking for a good cry, if you're looking for a good cry, look that movie. Up. Oh my goodness. I always love a good cry. I know. <laughs> Who doesn't want a good cry? <laughs> I've been crying all year, so. That's fair. But this is a happy cry. I tell people, you know, I love a really, I love a lot of depressing movies that do not end happy. And so people have kind of just expected me to recommend them a movie that's going to end in bad ways. But this movie just, it, it ends on an uplifting note. Mm. So you'll cry, but feel good at the Aww. end. All right. Well, and that is Coda on Apple TV Plus, right? Yep. Nice. Cool. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Um, thank you, Justin, again, for hopping in here. Um, Thanks for having me on. Yeah, sure thing. Sure thing. Um, we're going to be 
resuming our same old uh, 90s stuff next episode. So I think that we're covering the movie Clueless, which should be exciting. That's correct. Uh, I also want to call out uh, thanks to anybody who jumped in and listened to our live stream. We had a couple people listening live. If you want more information on how to listen live, we'll post it in the show notes. But we streamed this podcast recording in discord where you can pop in and listen to us live and send us live heckling if you want to oh yeah true we're looking for some Statler and waldorf so if you guys want to apply for that your muppet wishes will finally be fulfilled yeah muppet wishes uh okay so if you're again looking for more episodes of this podcast head over to willsfaypod.com um otherwise thanks for listening and see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Oh, yes, it's fun time. Fun time. Fun time. Fun time. Let you know It's fun time. Shake time. What up, what up? Oh, hey. Hi, didn't see you there. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, well. <clears throat> okay, I'm back. <laughs> you didn't miss anything. <clears throat> I feel like there's a suspicious... <laughs> sus- <laughs> air in suspicious. the room.